Good afternoon, LBC Radio. This is Corey Rosen with the Story Podcast. Today I have a special guest, Kate Ray, a 2021 graduate of Lancaster Bible College. Kate has spent her first year teaching at Mount Calvary Christian School in Elizabethtown, PA. She has enjoyed teaching elementary general music and elementary choirs and looks forward to continuing to teach. While she's not in the classroom, Kate might also be found leading worship, reading beside the lake, or curling up to take a nap. And I feel like we all feel that last one. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, with that said, you are a pianist by trade, a um, a musician by trade. Mm -hmm. What first got you inspired to do music? Great question. I think it was my experiences with my own music teachers. I So I was homeschooled, but I had the opportunity to be in choirs and just my directors were so kind and they just really helped us like understand what was going on behind the music and they cared about us and just the community. I love communities of music making. So mm. when I was looking at careers, I was like, I would love to be able to share that with other people. And I originally auditioned for worship arts here at LBC and I met Mrs. Sidebotham and um, they, after my audition, they were like, hey, we're bringing back music ed. We think you'd be a great fit. Would you like to do it? I was like, sure. So that's kind of how I got into music education. And then through my internships, I discovered I loved elementary music. So that kind of became my focus. And then I graduated and found an elementary teaching job and God just really worked it out. Really? That's, that's so fun. Uh, so, you, so you like uh, like kids music in general? Yes. So I would say kindergarten through sixth grade is typically general um, elementary music. And it's just so fun because that's the age where they're like doing the dances and doing the folk songs and doing the different instruments like ukulele and the orf instruments and recorder. And they're just so malleable at that age. Mm -hmm. And they still think you're like the coolest person ever. Most of them don't have attitudes yet. Um, And they, they just like eat it up and you can really teach them a lot about singing and making music together so hot cross buns is your jam oh that's the first song in recorder karate and my right. third graders just did that and i probably should have sent home headphones for the parents oh really is, it was is, a little that, bad oh my goodness <laughs> 21 of them in a tiny room playing hot cross buns oh yeah yeah that's one thing i've always had i could not ever stand was uh when people didn't know how to sing or, or like tone like tone deafness. Uh-huh. That is always one thing that got, I could never go to talent shows. I could never go to children's choirs because I would be so annoyed. Yeah. And I get like physically angry. Yeah, I think I've gotten used to it by now and I kind of tune it out. But then sometimes like I'll, sometimes I record my lessons just to kind of be able to see what's going on because I can, can get so focused. And I'll listen to it and I'm like, oh man, that was, oh, man. that wasn't quite belt worthy because they get a belt if they can play the song. Mm. And sometimes I'll hand out a belt and then I'll listen back. And I'm like, oh, man, that kid was not playing in tune. <laughs> but they're trying and they're having fun and they're making music. So. That's what matters. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about um, education, mm-hmm. what is it really like to, I mean, we've all had elementary teachers, most of us, but I'm sure I do not know what it was like for my elementary teacher to teach me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll give you like a day in the life. Um, and then like a week in the life. So day in the life, um, I get to school at like, I have to be there at 730. And my school is cool because on Mondays, um, like each morning, there's like a different thing that we do. So on Mondays, we have staff devotionals. 
So we'll meet for like 20 minutes and we are studying um, Philippians right now. We should say that you go to a Christian school. Yes, yes. I'm teaching at a Christian school. Yes, very good point. Um, so we'll have... Normal schools don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll do that. And then um, like on Mondays, I'm very blessed. I don't teach on Monday mornings until 938. So I have like two hours of prep time. So I'll usually spend that time um, writing lesson plans for the week catching up on anything that I need to do organizationally. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? I don't know. To organize (laughs) or like cleaning my room, touching base with the secretary. And then um, I teach in two different locations. So I have my classroom and then I teach choirs up in our sanctuary. So I'll like take all my stuff upstairs, get set up, teach. Um, I do have like extra duties too, which I feel like some people don't realize. Um, So I have like lunch duty, bus duty. Mm. So I'm just doing stuff around the school all day. So I teach, do my duties, do bus duty, and then I can leave by 3.15. And I usually don't leave till like four o'clock because there's just stuff you got to do, like organizing all the papers, putting the markers away again, just like those little stuff. What about like grading? Uh, Yeah, I'm very blessed. I actually don't have to grade choirs. And for general music, they get a participation grade. So I made a rubric Mm. for that. And then if we're doing projects or anything, like in recorder, they get a grade on if they brought their recorder and their music, and then they get a grade every time they test on a song. Gotcha. Yeah. So how, how do you think LBC has properly uh, prepared you for your junior job? Absolutely. I feel like I was set up for success um, in everything. So I'm certified to teach kindergarten through 12th grade music. Um, so this is kind of just a smaller chunk of what I'm certified to do, but just the lesson plans, the organization, having to write units in college. Absolutely. Good. Uh, so would you ever want to teach higher uh, level? <laughs> I saw your face. <laughs> I I would love to do choirs. I don't think I would want to teach like junior high or high school music classes because that's when they get into more of like the theory mm. and composition stuff, which I enjoy, but I am more passionate about um, like choir and just making music in a group setting. That's interesting. You mentioned composition. Um, we uh, back in my day <laughs> when I was a high school teach uh, student, not teacher. Um, we never. Re- I, I've I've always heard mixed like stories from different high schools, and I guess it all depends on budgeting. Mm. Um, but uh, my high school band was literally just marching band and then the concert band mm. and nothing else. There was there, there was no theory whatsoever. Um, there like little zero composition besides if you can make a drum cadence you'll get like free pizza uh that's about it so what have you been in a classroom experience where where that's not been the case or either or like where there's been more where there's been options. more options yeah yeah in student teaching which i student taught at Lidditz christian school um she had my cooperating teacher taught high school music and she had a class it was more like a private study i think she only had three students Mm. um but they did theory and she was teaching them chords and they were writing their own music learning about like the one four and five chord and like how you can arrange with that real basic stuff but it was still like they were creating um and yeah they really liked it and the one of the kids that was in that class actually accompanied for her high school choir so Hmm. it was they really liked it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. The only time I composed or started to learn about composition was when I came here to LBC. Mm, same. And it's kind of funny that I'm, 
I went as a composition major, not knowing anything. Yeah. About how how to compose or anything, and yet I still got in. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky in high school. My piano teacher was a jazz person. He taught trumpet, and he was like really into jazz. So he did teach me like you he have would have me kind of improvise and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I had, I didn't do anything like notating until college too. Right. So in the classroom, there's a bunch of stuff going on yeah. with, with yes. kids and everything. So what are some of the biggest issues you have to deal with kids on a, like a day-to-day basis? Oh, man. Well, behavior is always one. Um, I don't know. Like teaching a specials is, is unique um, because you, you don't have the kids all day. Right. So they're coming to you and you don't know what's ha- been happening in their classroom. Like, they it's kind of like personal a personal life yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a fresh i try to view it as a fresh slate like they come in the music room the music room is its own entity we have our own rules um so i, I want to give them that opportunity to just have a fresh start and then sometimes it becomes immediately apparent like oh bobby is being more quiet than usual maybe he's having a bad day or um sally is just talking nonstop and will not sit on her dot spot and pay attention a dot spot yes i have carpet circles in my classroom okay. yeah they sit on the floor because then we can get up and move but yeah I, I would say behavior is the biggest one and just trying to um like be attentive to each student's needs because i only have them for 40 minutes mm. once a week how many kids do you have total i have like per class oh per class um it varies I guess in, it, yeah, I guess. yeah like in k4 there's like 13 in a class and my third grade classes have 21 so, okay so that's not that unmanageable no it's not and um the biggest struggle is my room size is very small mm. so it's hard like especially in third grade if a student is misbehaving i can't really separate them and like give them some distance they're just kind of stuck in everyone else so so how do you as given this is a, a, a more uh, this is a private institution you have mm-hmm. more freedoms to do what you want as a teacher in some respects yeah uh, especially as a christian mm-hmm. how do you deal with those people or kids who are just not cooperating or they're having a bad day uh how do you approach that do you just like because the tendency i'm sure for a lot of people would just like to let it go mm-hmm. like let it boil not 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 necessarily <laughs> boil over but like just just hands Actually, off and yeah how do you deal with that yeah so for the whole class so there's like two two parts to this as a class i use like an emoji system so they come in and they're on green and if the whole class is like being really chatty not being respectful they move down to orange and if they get worse the lowest they can go to is um yellow like a yellow card (laughs) um and then when the teacher comes when the classroom teacher comes back and picks them up that's like a visual for them to know how they were and then in their classroom they get like a reward system so if they Mm. were at the highest level they get three gems and then there's two and one so they're trying to earn gems for their classroom because then the classroom teacher does like pajama day or movie day or something that's cool yeah so i work really closely with the classroom teacher on that for individual students um i have positive reinforcement um a sticker system so um my beloved donut stickers they can earn if they are really paying attention students who are moving really artfully when we're doing movement or just doing their very best they can earn a donut sticker um if i need negative reinforcement oh man i will usually just pull a student aside 
while the whole class is doing something and be like, hey, I'm noticing you're not really paying attention. I need you to keep your hands to yourself. That usually works for these guys. That's good. I don't know if it would work in all situations. Um, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> For uh, I teach children how to swim. And it is, I'll, first off, they're in the water. That's yeah. problem number one. <laughs> problem number two, there's, there's friends there. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem number three, there's toys everywhere. Yeah. And problem number four, they came here to learn. And that's all those together. It's just a rapid mess for, for things to happen because they can just bend over, splash around in the pool. And then all of a sudden, whoop, they're in the pool and they're they're sinking because they don't know how to swim. Oh, man, that sounds a little stressful. It, it, well, granted, I have an ADHD brain, so my my I can fire on all pistons and be everywhere at once. Um, and so it's, it's really nice for me. But yeah, it, sometimes kids just forget, oh, I can't stand in five feet of water. And they sink. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I don't have to do that. They're not in danger of drowning, but, no, but <laughs> I understand. in danger of other things. Well, the worst that's happened in my classroom due to it being so small is that a kid got whacked in the head with um, rhythm sticks one time. Had to get her an ice pack. That's we were, good. Was, oh, that's not good, but... It's, it's, I mean, it, of all the things that could happen... Yeah, that's not the worst. Yeah, she was fine. She just was... It surprised her and she started crying, so... Well, yeah, I would, I would, I would be surprised too if I was hitting the head at the stick. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that that's interesting that you don't have to, because I know some kids. If you gave them sticks, they would whack every person and and their and their mother. Yeah. And um, so that's really, it's. I also feel like, on some level, private st- students, especially like, in a, in a Christian setting. I feel like they sometimes tend to be more disciplined. I don't want to make a general oh, statement, they but are. they de- that is definitely true. And I, yeah, just because they have, I mean, not to pull the Jesus card, but like you can pull the Jesus card, mm-hmm. and it's true. Like we're training them or teaching them, not training them. We're teaching them to, um, we're, we're trying to be an example of Christ to them. So when they're acting out, it is it's a teaching moment. It's like okay, like. How would Jesus respond in this situation if what he's angry? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds, it, I feel like it sounds cliche, but there is. There's value in it's that. It's true. Like, yeah. It's it's just like, well, listen, you're acting this way. Is that in line with what Christ would do? Yeah. And it's just simple as that. And mm-hmm. and whether that be secular or not, it's, it's a good, it's a good way to keep you in check. Even with your, even if you're an adult too, because there are so many situations as adults that we get into, like that are unfathomable to the child mm-hmm. that, that has been gone through before with Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. really, it's really easy to, as adults to keep our emotions in check. And I've found that sometimes adults can be very childlike sometimes. Uh, yeah. And, and what and what we consider to be childlike, uh, they will throw tantrums, um, they will be stubborn, they will be jealous, they will envy, you know, just uh, grant, granted not in overtly childlike ways, but it's it's the same situation where you have to step back and and your emotions get a hold of you because things can get very heated as adults, um, and you have to just say, well. What would what would what was what's the right course of action here? What would mm-hmm. Jesus do? How how am I, how am I am I reacting? Especially to a non-believer, am I am I showing the light of Christ to them? Am I sh- am I giving Christians a bad rap mm-hmm. by interacting in this way? It it goes on so many levels that what like truly what would Jesus do is 
probably the best way you could re uh, like think about any scenario. Mm-hmm. It sounds so stupid, and it's a cliche eighties right. bracelet. <laughs> but it, I mean, there's a reason why it, it was so popular because it, it really gets the point across. Well, yeah. it makes you think. What would Jesus do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Would he yell? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not. Would he flip tables? Not unless you're in a temple <laughs> where you know people are selling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and something I'll tell them, especially my older students, um, it's like, is this is what you're doing glorifying God? Mm. Like they, a big thing in fourth grade choir is they will, um, like they can be kind of mean to each other. I mean, mean in a relative sense because it is a Christian school and they're they're really truly good kids. Um, but I'll stop them and I'll be like, listen, like the way you're talking right now is not glorifying God. It's not respecting me. Like you have a responsibility as we're preparing this music especially like our Christmas music, like we're going to be sharing the gospel. We're going to be um, on mission while we're on stage. So you need to like shape up and stop mm-hmm. because you're not glorifying him. And that like, I've, I've had that conversation with them. We've and it worked for like a week <laughs> and then <laughs> they're fourth graders. Like it's not, they're, they're learning and growing still, but it is nice to be able to like share that openly and like teach them how to, like guide them, I should mm-hmm. say. It, it is funny how a certain card works so long, and then it's like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I've always, I've always struck out the card. Well, don't you want your parents to be proud of you, or, or, or don't you want to show, show, show your dad you can float on the water if, if his kid's being, you know, squirmy or whatever, and um, because you know you have to float on your back to float on your back. You can't be squirming around or else right. you'll sink. And it's like, well. You're you're just being silly. Don't you want to show your dad to float? Your mom how to float? Don't you want to show? You want to show me how to float? I know you can do it. I, you know, just giving those soft uh, encouragements mm-hmm. and s- reality checks. Yeah, is very important. I've noticed for a kid and sometimes for adults too. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about is specifically. Oh, I got to get my words together. <laughs> You're good. I'm going to drink some coffee. Go for it. Coffee. Oh, that's one thing we could talk about. How dependent are you on coffee? Oh, um, so I have accidentally started going to Dunkin' every morning because I discovered you can get a $2 coffee that tastes like a $5 coffee. Um, <laughs> the secret recipe, this is free to anyone listening. You just get an original brew and you add cream and vanilla and it tastes like a latte, hmm. but it's $2 instead of 4 So my teacher budget can afford it. Okay. <laughs> yes, I love coffee. I drink it all the time. We, we had, there was, there's a whole conversation about that we can have about, uh, like, because it's, it, it's, uh, it's being reliant on a drug. Oh. So that's, <laughs> like, oh, ah. Maybe, I mean, you know, everyone drinks coffee. I'm not real. I mean, I, I could, don't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should move on to the next question. But no, it, I mean, it, it's, I mean, there, you know, there's acceptable levels of drinking coffee and there's unacceptable levels of drinking coffee. I know some people yep. who drink six cups a day. I'm not that bad. I will have my morning coffee. That gets me to like, like the one I get in the morning, I'm usually done with by like noon. And then that's the only oh, one I have. No, that's safe. That, I, yeah. I'd say that's, that's okay, a healthy, good. that's a healthy amount of coffee. Perfect. I, I, well, I know some people who have six cups of coffee by 12. Oh and gosh. Then, yeah, right. And it's like. I would be so shaky. I know. I don't know how people deal with like. How bad have you, like, at that point, you're, like, dependent on that. Yeah. To get th- And that I could never, I could never be. 
You should have your listeners leave comments. How many cups of coffee do you drink How, per day? Are you relying on coffee? Because a, a cold drink of water does the same thing for me that coffee oh. does for a lot of people. Well, good for you. I know, I know. I'm super blessed <laughs> in that. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not being like, ha I'm going to just drink my just drink Twin Valley over coffee. here. But okay. um, back to, back to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with, uh, or well, let's get back to one of these questions. What do you teach and why? What do I teach and why? My goal for my students, um, and this is taken from a philosophy called, um, it's like first steps in music and conversational solfege. If you're a music educator, hope wanna be, um, you should check him out because he's awesome. But his goal and my goal is that when um, a student that I have in my classroom is 40, they will, what? 40, like 40 years old. Like once, once they leave me. Oh, okay. I was, yeah. I was about to say, I was, like, I was like, wait a minute. No. So like, say I teach them up to fifth grade. Once they leave me and once they're 40, they will have the skills to like dance at a wedding, to clap to mm. music, just to have like a sense a basic of, sense of rhythm. Yeah. Well, it's being tuneful. So like being able to sing in tune. Or at least like sing happy birthday in tune. Um, beatful. So the, being able to clap to music, um, move to music, dance to music. Um, tuneful, beatful, and artful. Artful is kind of the more obscure one, but it's just like being able to appreciate music, being able to move to it, um, having a respect for music of other cultures. Mm. Just like having an awareness of it. And it, it's so good for your brain. It's so good for your mind. Yeah, so that's my overall goal. Like, I know not every kid I teach is going to want to play an instrument or go to college for music. That's totally fine. So, yeah, yeah. it's just, I think it's great for development and social-emotional um, development. And it teaches a lot of math. Well, yeah. I yeah. Well, see, I used to think that, but I it hasn't been slapping me in the face as much as I thought it would. Like, we, oh, talk, really? we talk about rhythms, and, like, we'll do, like, I've just been doing 4-4, um, with most of my grades, uh, third grade gets to six, eight a little bit, but like in second grade, we're using four, four and be like, okay, there's four beats in the measure. So if we have a half note, okay, there's two beats taken up. So how many beats do we have left to fill? How could mm-hmm. we fill it? So that is kind of it. But well, I tell you my, my twos and fours and threes, even I'm really good at nice. when it comes like multiplication and stuff, especially as a percussionist who had to read, mm-hmm. you know, like 39 measures of rests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's that's like a million beats that have to wait. Count one, two, three, two, two, three, 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 three. Yeah. Repeat, repeat, repeat. But um, so that's really so you are you like to nerd out. You told me that you like to nerd out about the developmental side. Yes. What is the oh. the key development that music has on children? Oh man. The key development. I think it helps with um like motor skills. Because they, like, for instance, um, I was for, uh, what holiday? Oh, St. Patrick's Day. We did a rhythm stick routine to uh, an Irish jig. And um, it was, I was improvising it, but they were copying me. So I would, like, cross my hands and then tap above my head, tap the floor. So it's just getting them, like, moving. And then we do, I do a lot of folk dances with my kids. So, um they're learning how to work with others. A big thing is like I will assign them partners and they um, sometimes complain about the person I assign them to. So we'll have a conversation about this is more social emotional development, but we will have a conversation about respecting others and um, 
like how it's a privilege to get to dance with someone and we should mm-hmm. be supporting each other and loving each other, which um, kind of ties into our faith, but also I think it's something it's just, that just, every human yeah. should do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but as far as like the brain, like motor skills, um, listening skills, like being able to, we talk, my first graders know what audiation is, which I didn't oh, wow. learn until college, but yeah, they can I'm tell still you. fuzzy on that. They can tell <laughs> you what audiation is. Um, it's, a, it's hearing a pitch in your head before singing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or um, I even use it for thoughts. So I'm like, if you're hearing a thought, think it in your head. Like we audiate with music. Think your thought in your head, but don't say it out loud. I even have them like close their eyes and think their thought and then they raise their hand. So it's like the process of self-control. Mm. And then with music, we hear it, think it, breathe, sing it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Did you know that some people don't have an inner, inner monologue? Yes, I am flabbergasted. I have a good friend who doesn't have that. And it, I was just floored. Like, I'm always talking to myself in my right. head. Right. Uh, for, <laughs> for those who don't know, an inner monologue is, like, if you could, if you didn't speak and you just thought to yourself what you were, you know, like, if you, you could have a conversation with yourself in your own mind without ever speaking a word. It's what a lot of people do when they read. They'll, yeah. they'll, read, they'll read it to themselves in their inner monologue. It's hard to explain. But there are some people who just, when, when they stop talking, that's it. There's nothing else going on in their mind. There's no words running through. There's no inner monologue, so so to speak. There's maybe sometimes there's pictures. Yeah. I've heard I've heard people who think with pictures, and I'm like, and and some people. This is another thing that this friend does. If if you were to say something like apple, can you see an apple in your head? I can head? see an apple. In my some head. people can't do that. I know some people can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Anyway. It, yeah. it, it is. I I often wonder how those people dream. Yeah. I love dreams. It's like a little movie. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but um so we were talking about uh self-control and yeah. and the developmental side, mm-hmm. especially with like like your motor skills. I'm probably that's teaching kids to use muscles they probably haven't ever used probably at this point. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see so like my K4 students um like they can I use bean bags for them and we'll like hold a bean bag and tap the beat. Um, and then, like, in first grade, they start using rhythm sticks. But it's so cool to see, like, the range of abilities in the classroom. And, um, like, I have a kindergartner who has some developmental delays. Mm. And when we're doing movement, I have to, like, just to keep him safe and other students safe, I'll, like, kind of move him away from the rest of them because he struggles. Like, he doesn't have good balance, but he's improving. And I will have him – I'll have the class do things, and I can see him, like, trying. And he's getting so much better now at, like – Moving and balancing, so. You ever have them pat their heads around their stomachs? No. <laughs> no, we'll, but we'll do, like, steady beat activities where we'll play a song and, like, we're tapping the steady beat and we're doing it on different parts of our body mm. and sometimes we'll cross our arms or pat our knees, pat our feet. So they're, yeah. It's, right. It's so, it's so fun. Nothing as complicated as conducting four in one hand and three in the other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I can still do that. I don't think I could. It's so one of the skills we had to do, or one of the challenges we had to do in conducting class, was conduct four in one hand and three in the other. I had some skill doing this for my drum major academy camp, um, where where they had us do that just for like it's it's <laughs> she's struggling over here to figure it out. No, because it's like, yeah, you do. It's a triangle in one hand and a square in and the a other. square in the other hand. Yep. And it, it, <laughs> okay, that, I'm that, a- <laughs> those are some fine motor skills that. It's, now she's determined. I'll try it later. Don't want to spend too much time. But um, 
I find that those skills, especially help me become more of a better, uh, a better drummer. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're literally using every in, uh, limb independently of each other. Um, especially as a pianist, you have to... She's still over here trying to figure it out. How, how, how hard is it to have your limbs become independent, independent of each other? Um, well... Because you're working with like your, both your hands and then the yeah. pedal... With one I foot, I don't know. I feel like you're an organist. This is, yeah, I was going to say, you should ask um, Dr. Sidebotham this because I feel like an organist is more than a pianist. I, I mean, I I feel like I didn't really struggle with it. I've been playing piano since I was five, so it just kind of like happened. But um, when I was in college, I started doing, oh, I won't remember the name now. Wow. it's You do scale. It's a technique. And you do scales and you start going up the same way, and then your hands go different ways, and then they go opposite, and then they come back together. And I can't remember the name of those scales. It makes me feel rather silly. Anyway, but, like, that was hard because mm-hmm. your like your hands are independent, and by that um, level, like, you're going so fast. Like, you have to really be, not think about it. Like, it just has to be done. Yeah, like, your fingers are moving so fast, and you have to have good technique. Your fingers have to be curved so they're not getting in the way of each other, and then... Your brain has to be thinking, okay, I'm going apart now, and now together, now up, now down, now apart, now together, now down. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so going into, because uh, now you, t- you also teach piano as well. I do, yes. Right? So what's it like to, first off, build a studio mm-hmm. in, a, in a place where learning can happen? And then what what is it like to, because every student is a different challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is it like to build them up from scratch in some cases? Mm-hmm. And uh, what what advice would you give to those who want to start teaching lessons or teaching in general? That's yeah. a better question. So just to give some context, I teach at school, after school. Um, my school has a little um, practice. Mm, okay. They have like three practice rooms. So I just teach down there um, after school. I do 30-minute lessons. And um, I would say this was actually my first time teaching piano lessons. I've never taught private lessons before, which is surprising to some people. Um, but I had some parents reach out to me and I was like, oh, extra money sounds great. Extra sounds great. Um, I would say it's important to, to know um, what your rate is going to be. So I mm. did some research. I'm in some music educator groups and I talked to some other people at the school. And um, so decide what your rate is. Decide... Um, like it's kind of nitty gritty, but what curriculum are you going to use? I use um, piano adventures for my kids, um, but there's lots of different ones. Menchie Music is a great place to go. Um, decide if you want them to bring their own notebook so you can take notes. Um, just like you have to lay out your expectations and be very clear with the parent and the student before you even start. You um, really do have to think about these things because you're yeah. teaching somebody else. Yeah. And they're not going to know what, what they've probably never been taught before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so once you have those, like, fine details worked out, like, the schedule and the logistics of everything, um, then I kind of just dove in. I wasn't sure. So I teach two. I teach a set of twins. They're in second grade. And then I have a third grade student. And um, I wasn't sure where they'd be at, so I just started them from the beginning. My third grader is already reading notation in two hands. And oh, wow. the twins, it's really funny, the girl is so musical she has such a good steady beat she already knows the notes so well and the boy oh my goodness he is the sweetest thing but he's definitely he he's just not 
learn picking it up quite as fast, which is totally normal. A little but, imbalance there. Yeah, the it's girl just got all the music stuff. It's hilarious because they're literally twins. Um, but I just dove in and I just take it week to week with them. Um, it's pretty like I'm not doing any recitals or anything, but I would say if you have if you're planning to start your own studio, like decide if you're going to do performances, decide what the space is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, another thing is like payments. <laughs> like I just have my students pay me each week, but um, I would recommend maybe doing it monthly. Just it, I think it makes it more convenient for the parents because sometimes right. they forget and then they feel bad. And I, I don't care, but they're like, oh my goodness, Miss Ray, I forgot to pay you. I'm like, please don't worry about it. But just be professional. Make sure you know what you're doing so you're not coming across as, oh my goodness, what week is it? Did you pay me already? Right. Make sure, yeah, make sure you have a schedule. Yeah. That is one thing I've learned running this podcast is you gotta, gotta have a schedule. You gotta stick to that schedule. And you have the rate thing is important because you have to stick with your rate. Yeah. Especially like, cause if you start changing it mm-hmm. willy nilly, people are gonna lose confidence in you. Yeah. And you, you, there's rate is such a, it's such a, such a nitpicky subject because you, ha- if you go too high, no one's gonna buy. Mm-hmm. If you go too low, no one's gonna buy either because people are gonna be like, well, is are they really experienced? If I'm mm-hmm. only paying, you know, cause cheap versus quality, it's it's that whole aspect. Yeah. And I will say like. I definitely, so I paid a, like double what I'm charging um, when I was taking lessons through Menchie Music. So it kind of just depends on the culture. Like I, like I talked to the other teachers that teach at the school because I didn't want to be like, um, like over or under. So just mm-hmm. like, just do some, do your research and talk to people, figure it out and then stick to like whatever you decide, stick to it. Like you said, don't be changing it like every month. Right. That'd be crazy. Uh, that would that would be a little 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 much. So, um, you have been a pianist, mm-hmm. uh, but you also want to get into singing. How has it been to grow vocally over the past few years? Oh man, yeah. So I started playing piano when I was five. I didn't start really singing until about seventh grade. Um, I actually never. I took voice lessons, but not consistently. So I would take voice lessons in chunks of like three month periods, like over the summer. And my first voice lessons were actually with a worship leader at my church and she was coaching me on like worship style. Um, And then in college, I was in chorale and women's chorus and I never really had formal training in, um, I don't know, like more classical styles. Um, It was always more like pop styles. Mm. So, um, I but I think that helped me because that was what I wanted to teach was like choral music. So right. the warm-ups that we would do and the the ways that Dr. Bigley would teach us, those definitely helped me in my own uh, setting me up for my own teaching. And I had to take a choral methods class and we talked about breathing and how to teach that because I feel like it's different when you're taking it in rather than when you are taking something in to then know how to teach it, if that makes sense. Right. It's, it's a different thing being taught it, but then being taught how to teach it. Yes. It, the pedagogy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's completely different. Yeah. For sure. Because somebody can say, all right, take a deep breath, back straight, mm-hmm. shoulder square. But being taught how to consistently teach that, mm-hmm. it's a completely different thing. Because I, I tell you what, I, I know I was taught how to teach my swim lessons. Mm-hmm. But still, it's not it's not in my brain all the time. Yeah. To immediately go to that and immediately point something out mm-hmm. is 
because I know how to do backstroke doesn't mean I know how how to I teach, teach backstroke. Yeah. yeah, and that, I feel like that that aspect of things has come up more in my private lessons because I'm so used to playing piano. I'm like, all right, let's let's do a C major scale, and the kids are like, what? What, what is a scale? So I had to what like back it up major? so much. Yeah. So we I got through that. Um. But anyway, um, one of the things I struggled with in this first year of teaching was definitely vocal health. So definitely know um, your technique. Use a microphone. I lost my voice. Record yourself. Yeah. I lost my voice by like November and the teachers were really concerned about me. They're mm-hmm. like, you should not have lost your voice by now. Mm-hmm. But it's just because I wasn't used to talking all day, singing all day, singing loudly. Mm, talking so, loudly. Drink lots of water. Do vocal warm ups before you start teaching. Save your voice. Yes. Yeah. These are all things I, I have to, especially because I, I, I teach in a chlorine infested mm. environment. I didn't know that, but chlorine really messes up your voice. Oh, I didn't. I don't know if I knew that either. No, I, well, I, I get, just came into contact with Jeffrey Martin one day and my voice was just trashed. If you've listened to previous episodes, you would know. Um, but, uh, and he was like, what happened to your voice? I'm like, I don't know. I just lost it one day. I'm not sick or anything. Mm. And he, he was like, he was like, well, where do you work? And I was like, oh, I teach kids how to swim. And he was like, that was it. The chlorine messes up with your voice. And it, that was like for like five days, like for like a solid week almost, that my voice was just trashed. And he, he was like, drink tea. You'll be fine. And I'm like, I can't. I don't like tea either. I don't oh. like coffee. I don't like tea. Oh, I don't, yeah, no. I know. I know. I'm, I'm such a such a basic person I mean- when it comes to that. Hot water. I like hot water with actually my friend Deborah Fawcett made this for me in college. Hot water with lemon and honey. That would I feel like that would be good. It's I, so I would good. Like that. It's like hot lemonade. Yeah, I do like lemonade. Lemonade's fine. Um, soda is also fine, but it's also bad for you. Yeah. So it's like uh, just water, please. Um, so we have so talking about uh, teaching students. What is it mm-hmm. like to teach them like? Like more the more important things like posture is super important for a pianist. Yeah. Yes, I'll just remind them to sit up straight. They tend to like slouch and they'll like put their hand up and they're like playing the right notes. I'm like, um, excuse me. I'm like, let's sit up. Like, have your hand curved because I if you learn it now when you're young, then it's gonna carry over and it'll just become habit. What are the dangers of doing it incorrectly? Um, tension. You won't be able to play as fast when you get to more complicated pieces. Your fingers are going to fall over each other. Um, Even injuries, though. Because you can gain injuries from doing it stuff incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like for me, it's just tension. Like, if I'm sitting incorrectly and playing and practicing, um, like, my shoulders will be so sore afterwards. Um, And, like, your wrists can get sore. My, oh, there was something in high school. I was playing, I was playing a really, really fast piece and like my fingers were hurting after. My teacher was like, like I was like massaging my hand or something. He was like, just your hand hurt. I was like, yes. And he's like, well, let's fix your technique a little bit because that's going to help. And it turns out, I, I can't remember what I was doing, but it was something with my hands. And when I fixed that, I was able to play much faster and without pain. That's something I've been realizing as I've been playing piano is that if I stretch my hand out to like play the big octave stuff, that's when my hand starts or my wrist starts to feel yep. it. The tension is like, oh. Is that incorrect to play, like, so stretched out, or is it just? Um, I mean, sometimes you have to. It depends on the music. But just, like, using your elbow weight to, like, lean in, especially if you're playing, like, really up high or down low, like, 
using your whole body to help, I think, will eliminate some of that hand tension. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, getting into um, not really out of the teacher world, but mm-hmm. kind of kind of related, how has your teaching skills impacted your other like your adult life? Yeah. Um, and this is going to go into how how you deal with children versus adults. Yeah. How what what teacherisms do you have? <laughs> what you know, ex- so, like how how has teaching learning how to teach helped you in other aspects of life? That's the first question I want to sure. ask. Yeah. Um, how has teaching helped me in other aspects of my life? Communication. I think like you have to be a good communicator to teach, especially mm-hmm. if you're a specials teacher because. You're teaching so many different classes, so communicating with the classroom teachers, with the principal, with the superintendent. Um, communication is a big one, um, and, and verbal communication too. Like I, I tend to talk really fast, but with the students, I have to make sure I'm very slow and clear so they can understand what I'm saying. So communication, organization. You just have to be organized. If you're not organized, you're going to drown <laughs> like mm-hmm. in your papers and just in all the things that you have to keep track of. So I have my, I love my planner. I don't know how people live without planners, but I have my planner that I write everything down in. <laughs> I'm one of those people who don't live with the planner. I'm learning the flaws of my ways, but. Yeah. So um, having a planner, um, organization, communication. Professionalism. Professionalism. Uh, Well, that is a key one because a lot of uh, there's. I didn't learn how to be a professional until recently because I would always come in with like the silly shirts and then (laughs) the gym shorts and whatever, and that's that. Those are fine for like specific areas, but if you're trying, like for a college student, that's not necessarily the most professional thing Mm. you could wear. Um, for going out to like an open mic or a, a concert, it's definitely not one of the most professional things you could wear, uh, th- depending on your style. Yeah. Granted. Yeah. But learning how to, you know, wear just like a solid black tee, mm-hmm. black jeans, wearing the appropriate appropriate things for the appropriate events. That's yeah, that's key. Is definitely key because uh, a teacher usually, usually doesn't come in with like sweatshirt, sweatpants unless it's like PJ day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I I feel like I'm lucky. Like I love, like, dressing up and like, that's just my jam. I love shopping. I love like just like feeling put together. So that's been kind of easy for me. But even just like, um, in my language, like being mm. professional with my language and trying to cut out, um, I don't know, like the little colloquialisms that we have as like little cliches. Yeah, as twenty something year olds. You know, eat stuff, yeah. like, stuff like that. Yeah, I think I've said zesty is usually what I say. Really? Zesty, yeah, and I've I've said it to my students. Like they'll tell me something. I'm like, oh, zesty. I've ne- I've never ever heard that one before. It's just like, oh, cool. I don't know. That's an, that's an interesting one. Um, so what's one way that you have to differentiate between dealing with adults and then children? Hmm. Well, because you can't go to the, hey guys to a bunch of adults. Right. Well, it's actually, hey, friends. How hey are friends. you today? Yeah. My voice is very different. I was in an interview and um, the person interviewing me said, I'm going to cut to the chase. How you seem like a very sweet, quiet person. How do you handle, how would you handle a rowdy group of K-5 students? Mm. I was like, 
um, I didn't say this, but in my head I was thinking, I really am a different person in front of my students. Like my voice changes, um, the way I address them. I have a lot of attention getters. So I generally try to talk very sweetly to them, but sometimes I'll like quote, get after them and have to be a little more stern. Like I think I told the first grade class that was just not listening. I moved their emoji down and I was like, you guys need to cut it out. Like you're not behaving right now. And that worked. Um, but with adults, I don't know. I'm, yes, I feel like not, I, I'm not behaving right now. Fix it. Yeah. I mean, with adults, like they, you just have real conversations with them. And I don't know. I, I think I try to just be genuine. Like I try to not have a teacher persona and then a normal persona. I guess, I guess the question is, does your teacher persona ever come out towards adults? Yes. That's, I guess that's more of the question. Yes. Then. Yeah. I will. There are, I, I tried to think of an example and I couldn't, but there will be times when someone like a church or something is like, man, you are such a teacher. Just so something I'll say or something I'll do. They're like, yeah, you're definitely a teacher. That makes sense. Uh, there, there's a lot of, because uh, you're right, the voice thing, is the the pitching yeah, the, uh, the, is definitely an issue. Or not an issue, but it's definitely like a thing. Yeah. You, you'll talk to kids, all right, guys, come on in. You ready exactly. to come in? Yep. Uh, we're going to put our head back and we're going to reach out as far as we can. And then as soon as they do something, no, we're not doing that. You got to put your head back. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's 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 yeah. the playful to stern mm-hmm. um, ratio. And and then with like with adults, I feel like it's really hard because sometimes I, I just I kind of want to be stern with them. But you can't. You got to have to be. Yeah. Yeah. You'll pull out your stern voice or you know, your uh instructional voice. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's not it's not a it's not a thing that you can do because, you know, they're adults. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're like, Why are you talking to me like I'm a kid, man? Yeah. I don't think that's like I'll give it do you want to hear my my, hear my voice? Okay. Yeah. So imagine I'm standing at my door and the kindergartners are coming in. This is what I would say. All right, guys, come on in. Find your seat. Oh, I love how James came in quietly and found his seat. Oh, please crisscross applesauce. All right, get your hands ready to do some motions. Eyes ready to watch me. Ears are ready to listen. Oh, good job. Here we go. (laughs) Just higher and higher and higher. And then we sing our welcome song. And then um, if like I was teaching, James, you need to sit quietly. Thank you. Oh, I love how she's sitting so quietly. <laughs> like, just it's the different um, pitches, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's magic. Yeah, it, there's something with kids that once once your tone changes, their whole demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. That's something I've I've really realized because I like to be playful and fun. But as soon as my my pitch comes down and I'm on their level, and I'm like, you need to start paying attention. Mm-hmm. Their 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 smile goes away. It, it, it's not a frown, but they, they oh. it's, it's their, it's their, yeah, it's their focused face yeah. that they, that they get like, okay, yeah, I got it. Miss Ray's mad. I'm <laughs> not mad. I've, I've never gotten right. mad at students, but. It's more of like, okay, okay, it, it's time to listen now. I yeah. understand. It's funny. <laughs> it, it is, it's, sometimes it is very funny. Um, so we kind of, we talked about teacherisms. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it like to, oh, you're a diabetic. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. What is Correct. it? What, <laughs> yes, true. That is right. Um, so, what is it like to deal with diabetes? And because it's a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. What What type are you? One. So you were born with it. Well, I wasn't born with it, but it's genetic. Oh, it's it, genetic. Yeah, That's right. I didn't like. There was nothing I could have done to stop it, and there's nothing that I like specifically did. I was diagnosed when I was three, 
So oh, wow. Yeah. So I've had. I'm 24 now. So I've had it for a long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot I could say on this. I would just say um, I'm very blessed because I have an insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor, and I actually can get my blood sugar on my watch. So like. Right now, I'm 174 trending down because I had this very sugary coffee. Um, so at school, it's nice because I can just like look at my watch and I just have juice boxes on hand. Um, the only time it's ever been annoying um, was when I was doing my second Christmas program and I had had dinner, done all the things that I knew to do to avoid getting a low blood sugar because stress can make me get low, like mm-hmm. have low blood sugar. Low blood sugar means I need sugar. High blood sugar means I need insulin. So, oh. yeah. So um, when I eat, my blood sugar goes up because my body can't convert what I eat, the carbohydrates, it cannot convert into energy. So mm-hmm. it'll just sit kind of in my blood. That's what it needs insulin for. And that's what I need insulin for, to convert it into energy. So when I get high, <laughs> I get high. Um, <laughs> I um, have to take insulin. To, otherwise, I feel really tired and because I my body is just like, what am it's I supposed to do low, with this? Low battery, uh, yeah. effectively. If I get low blood sugar, I've had too much insulin or I'm stressed or did exercise and there's just... So is that yeah. all regulated with that patch? With the pump. With the yeah. pump. Mm-hmm. pump. Yep, the pump has a little tube, catheter, goes in. I change it like every three days. But anyway, at Christmas, um, my blood sugar got low right before the concert and I had to like kind of just sit, excuse me, and um, have diet or not diet soda regular soda and sugar and administration was very concerned about me and everything was fine like god really was there for me and i was fine by the time the show started conducted my kids and i was fine but that was a little bit scary because if i had like passed out um there was no one else to do my job so has that ever gotten to that point where you've I have not, I only, I think I passed out when I was little once, but no, I, Mm. like I said, with this system, like, um, it's very difficult to get to that point because it alerts you like way before. You probably have to be really not squeamish with like needles and all that jazz. Yeah. I tell you, I I couldn't even watch my grandmother give herself insulin. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of a part of life. And like the systems that they have, like, I'm never, like, it's like kind of automatic so i'll just like like when i put my sights in like i just put it on my skin hit a button and it goes in automatically not to like make you squeamish right now but no, it's it, very it, i'm feeling it's, it <laughs> it's very simple and i just like my students um they most of them know uh, i i don't like make a big deal out of it but i've told them at the beginning of the year like hey like you know we go over procedures and mm. like if miss ray ever seems different just go grab mrs so-and-so and Oh really? So there's like that kind, that kind. Yeah, because I I don't want them. I don't want to freak out. Yeah, I don't want something to happen and then them like be totally scared. But I have to be careful because I don't. There's some that are like really anxious, so I don't want to make such a big deal out of it that they are scared for no reason. But just being aware. So yeah, (laughs) you probably get had to have the conversation. If you ever see Miss Ray with a snack, no, you can't have. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There was one day I had gummy bears at dismissal, and they were like, "Miss Ray, why do you have gummy bears?" I'm like, "Just, just because." Well, why don't I have coming bears? Yeah. Why aren't you giving them to me? Yeah. That's that's kind of funny. Um. So. Uh, g- going back to the teaching thing, <laughs> I feel like this whole episode is about you and teaching. I mean, I'm a teacher. That so. is that. Well, that is the, that is the case. Yes. Um, you are moving into a public space, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. That's what the goal is. What differences? you have to have 
or what differences are there? Granted, you n- number one probably being you can't openly be as Christ Christ like to mm-hmm. the kids, in the fact that you can't like discuss Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, like little differences, like I've prayed with with my classes at um, where I'm at now, um, in a public school. Um, Definitely couldn't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. But I think it's unique because I would hope and my goal is that just the way I'm living my life will be maybe a little different than a non-Christian. So maybe like even if I never get the opportunity to tell them like, hey, I love Jesus, um, they'll notice that they are loved by me. And they'll um, my my biggest like goal is that like just people will see Christ through me. So that's it just you kind of have to not talk about it so is that do you like talking about your faith yes i do something i've like on a personal note like something i've been thinking about recently is um i've always been in um uh group like friend groups situations settings that's the word i've always been in settings where i've just been around christians i've always worked with or i've always gone to like christian schools i went to lbc um all my friends are christian And now that I'm like graduated college, I'm like, oh my goodness, (laughs) like I'm just so used to that, that I've never like had the opportunity to, well, I worked at Staples and they, they did know I was a Christian there. Like we had conversations there, but I don't know. I would, I look forward to being in a, like a public setting where I can kind of challenge myself to live in such a way that my faith is evident, even if I don't say anything. That's something I've had to deal with um, being a gig musician, mm-hmm. like going out to different bars and the music industry is chock full of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, a journey and a half because it's hard. It, it, they're so communal about it mm-hmm. with with it too. They'll mm-hmm. always offer you a cigarette or other things yeah. and uh, it the or like a drink, mm-hmm. even that. I don't like alcohol. I can't drink alcohol. I, it's gross, and I just don't like it. But um, it's so it's it's definitely challenging sometimes because sometimes you're at that, you know, Christians get sad too. Everyone gets sad, and you're just like, oh, yeah, drink sounds really nice right now, mm. or that I'm that would definitely take the edge off. But it's just it's just being, and then also dealing with like, you know, the so. Fun, fun fact, a lot of the gang musicians are very spiritual. Oh. Very, very spiritual. Interesting. Not necessarily Christian, yeah. but super, super spiritual. And th- that's something that I've always kind of found weird almost because you, would, you, you wouldn't have thought of that, uh, the, the way society portrays them at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a thing here, but I, I'm, I know for a fact that the, the, for the most part, there is this gigantic spiritual aspect here. There are some definite atheists that don't think about it at all. But the, some of the guests I'm having up for sure, and granted, this is Lancaster where every theater is owned by a Christian almost. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> but but um, they're very spiritual. They they believe in the in the forces of they they believe in the demons. They believe in the ghosts. They believe in the spiritual powers. Uh, they, there's a lot of uh. A lot of um, what are they called? Like the Aquarius, the Libra, the oh, uh, um, horoscopes. Horoscopes, the yeah, those those kind of things, zodiac signs, oh, like right. the, the yeah, whole yeah. astrological signs, and and you know, for example, they have like, oh, it's gonna be a, a solar eclipse and Mercury retrograde. That's like a thing that's happening now, apparently. Oh, 
great. And that's going to cause, like, chaos or something. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, great, wonderful. And it's Friday the 13th, so it's like, oh, oh we're gonna... yeah. Right, so it's, it's like, it's, it's definitely been challenging to, like, come, go to those areas. Uh, and they all know I'm Christian. And some of them will challenge me on it. And it's, it's nice to be challenged in, in some aspects. And it, realizes, it makes me realize how much I need to take all the apologetics class. Oh, yeah. Because um, there's a lot of stuff that, that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. But people just don't want to hear it in the Christian way. Yeah. So what is one thing, I guess you haven't really had this experience yet, but w- what is one way that your faith has been challenged? Oh, so it has been. Um, I'm I, sure. <laughs> there's just, there's one situation in my life where this person I know, um, like I presented the gospel, explained why I trust in God, explained um, like how I've been changed by Jesus, which that was another thing. So I grew up in church. So mm-hmm. I never had that like, okay, I was like, this is my faith. Living on, almost. yeah, I, I never, well, I, I just never had, like, a huge conversion. Like, there gotcha. was really no clear, like, defining difference. So it's hard for me to relate to people who didn't grow up in church, I guess. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so this person was very, is doesn't, like, I've, I've shared everything with him. And I feel like I've told, like, every right thing and just didn't click. So then that comes into the whole, oh, this is too much to get into, but then it gets into like, okay, like, is there, is this like not God's will? Like, is this person never going to, like, just that whole side of things, like free will versus. Um, Determined news. Yeah. yeah. So I've just been wrestling through that a lot. So that's been, it's been really good. Like I've had to think about things. I've had great conversations, but uh, yeah, that'll be hard if I go, if I get into a public school, like maybe even with like coworkers, like if yeah, I'm sharing coworkers. if I'm, yeah, if I'm living out my faith and they're asking questions and I'm sharing the gospel and then they like, don't, especially in like the political climate that we're in. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a whole, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck at that. <laughs> Thank you. We can you. talk about that at a future episode. Yeah. If you're willing. We'll have a follow up. <laughs> right. Um, so going Moving on past school, yeah. something that we, we kind of uh, had fun re- reminiscing about mm-hmm. was a time where I wanted to write a, a symphony, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to collaborate with somebody, and I chose you, yeah, Miss Kate Ray, to be my collaborator, and what was it like to collaborate on such a giant piece of music? It was a lot. I remember. <laughs> I I honestly, I feel like he says that we collaborated on it. I think I, I feel like I wrote maybe three melody lines and he produced like this, what is it? 10 minute, it's five like 15 minute? minutes. Yeah. 15 minute piece. <laughs> like, whoa. So just to be clear, Corey did a lot of the work on that. Um, but it was fun. Like, I feel like I learned um, about voicing. Mm. Like I would, I would just sit down and like you would have an idea, like okay, this part. Did did we say what it is? It's like an ocean. Oh, so yeah, so it's like so it's called uh, an oceanic storm, and it go. It, it's more of a programmatic piece mm-hmm. that it, it details um, the a day in the life of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So it wakes up, 
it, there's uh, there's animals. It, it kind of it, it's bouncy in some parts. It's there's a whale, mm-hmm. and it's very <laughs> wonderful. And then there's like pirates and everything, and like ships and everything. And then it, there's a storm that comes in, and then it gets all scary because if you've never been in the ocean during a storm, it is very scary. Um, I have firsthand experience of that. Uh, so and then it just kind of calms out it chills out at the end this is it's kind of it's, it's a nice little almost two-part symphony i would say there's like there's like the morning part and then like the storm part um but it's it's a decent amount of work it's one of my biggest works i've ever worked on besides my musical um and yeah kate did supply a lot of the melodies from it for it uh i was and that's kind of what i expected going into it i didn't really I didn't really expect you to do all the orchestration per se. That's good. <laughs> but uh, I, I was willing to let you try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Keyword try. Yeah, yeah. But it, granted, you have to have a melody if you want to orchestrate That's true. anything. Yeah. And you were good at making melodies. Okay. I'm decent at making melodies as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it's such a scumbag thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. So I would just like sit down and Corey would be like, okay, like in this part of the piece, um, I think I wrote, didn't I write a line for like the lower strings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, was that like the pirate? That was, was yeah, like, you definitely yeah. came up with the pirate one, was which like, was insanely good. It was like a sea shanty. It was a theme, yes. yep. like a theme. So I came up with the theme for that, sent it to him. I literally like, I think I just like was plunking out notes for the melody line would send it to him and he would plug it in and fill it out with all the parts and it sounds really cool. Yeah, that's something uh we'll we'll have to pull up future cuz we we did it on MuseScore and the samples from MuseScore are kind of not good. Yeah. Um and it, it would not be fun to listen on to the radio. No. <laughs> or or anything. So, we'll I'll definitely have to update that and share that with you guys. But yeah, it, it's it I thought it was um very it was very it was very enlightening to me to work with somebody and it's something i want to do so much more often especially nowadays because i can't really i'm not a very good singer i've i've known that about myself and but i i've been writing all these songs and I, they need somebody to sing i, I wrote a country song mm-hmm. that i'm really really proud of nice and uh it's been stuck in my roommate's head for and you know hunter wood right? yeah, yeah yeah it's been stuck he in just his graduated Yay. yeah he did just graduate <laughs> Um, and he's the director of Victory Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so and so you know he's been hearing a bunch of worship songs, and he happens to get my song stuck in his head. Oh, that's it's, awesome! Yeah, it's, it's so it, it's always funny how that works out. Doctor Gerlach was always like, I, "I always have your song stuck in always," and it's just like, "Oh, that's cool!" <laughs> right? Haha. But also, oh, that's cute. Yeah, it means they they have. I feel like good melodies are singable, and I think that's what. Dr. Gerlach would say, like oh, you yes. should always be able to sing your you melodies. Always be able to sing a, mel- a melody. Mm-hmm. It should be natural to sing. Yes. Unless you're in jazz, and then that's a whole different yeah. other thing. <laughs> but for pop singing, at least mm-hmm. simple singing, like think about all the children's songs. Like that's literally like going <laughs> going back to teaching. That's literally all you have to do to think about a melody. Like those are great melodies, and you know why they're great? Because they're sing them. They're either sing, you can sing them. They're super simple. They're, it's it's so simple that children literally can learn within minutes. So it, it's it's really, it, it really goes back to like, if you could send some, send somebody a melody and they could sing it within like two or three tries, that's mm-hmm. a good melody. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And you definitely had a, a knack for creating good melody. And you also had so because you did the timpani part as well. The bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. That was more rhythmic. Yeah, yeah. More, more of like a rhythmic melody motif. Yeah, I remember and, that. And that because I, when I came to that part, I was like, I've got no idea what I want to do. <laughs> that was, <laughs> oh, man, I need to listen to this again. I put it on my portfolio, my professional portfolio. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um. I need to pull that up and listen to it. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm in the process of making uh, like a logic file of it. Mm-hmm. So that way it sounds much better. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely have to get that to you and yeah, post it, you. post it. Um, well, I have a, uh, I've got my own page on Facebook, Corey Rosen, C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E. And where can they find you? Um, well, I just have, I don't actually, my, my portfolio is private because I have some, mm. um, like videos from per- performances that I've produced. Um, so I can't share that with just anyone. Um, with like kids and all that jazz? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, privacy. Right. Um, but I I can share it with employers. Um, but, I mean, I'm on Instagram, Catherine97, um, and Facebook. Do you have a website at all? I don't. You never got into that? No. It's one thing that they yeah. kind of always push on us, but never really elaborate on, I feel. Yeah. I mean, my, my portfolio is a website. Right. But like I said, I can't. Can't really share. So. Yeah, really maybe. Share I mean, that. yeah. I haven't really needed one. That's fair. You're also a teacher. That's that's, that's yeah. kind of fair. My my advertise self advertisement is more like my resume and um, my paeducator.net account, oh. which is it's really neat. Um, if you're a teacher, you should be on it. If you're looking for a job, I think you have to. If you're an LBC student, but it's basically it's kind of like Indeed for teachers. You oh. put in all your information. Like literally everything, essay, resume, references, and then you can search for jobs, and with one click you can apply to a job. It's very nice. Here's one question. Here, so I'll, we're kind of wrapping up almost. So there's a few questions that I really, really want to ask. Yeah. We had talked about uh, worship a little bit. Yeah. What do you define as worship? Worship. Such a big term. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to to note or mention that I don't think worship is just music. Oh no! But um, if we're talking about worship music, I, or, I'd say as a blanket term, what oh, is worship? I think worship is um, anything we do with purpose to glorify God. So whether that's taking a walk and talking to Him, or, or talking viewing to His creation, else. even yeah, reading Scripture, talking to someone else about Him, worshiping Him with music, singing to Him writing music for him using your gifts yeah. to glorify him exactly or even just using your gifts that he gave you as well is yeah. also glorifying him mm-hmm. by end of in of itself and giving credit to him like i yes. i try to like people come up to me at church a lot and they'll be like you have such a beautiful voice blah blah blah, blah. i'm like thank you um i'm, I'm i have <laughs> i still sometimes stammer when i'm trying to respond to them but i'll try to say something like you know, all glory to God. Like he gave me these gifts and I'm happy to use them to glorify him. Mm. So what is one thing that you know now that you had wished you had known when you had first started? And that, that could be piano, that could be teaching. Um, Let's do teaching. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, man, <laughs> There's so many because there's things specifically about the job I'm at now, and then there's things just in general. I'll try to do a general one. Mm. Um, I think 
I mean, I, I knew this when I graduated, but just the importance of organization and even something as simple as buy the file cabinet so you can keep yourself organized. Like, do what you need to do to mm. stay organized. Um, but also, like, they tell us this in school, but I didn't listen. Don't spend your own money on stuff. Like, find out what your budget is. Be firm about asking about your budget and just stick to that. Because I spent... In regards to teaching? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, um, I spent probably too much money on my classroom that now I won't even be in next year, hopefully. So... Mm. But it's all good. I most of the stuff that I bought, like I'll be taking with me. So okay, that, uh, at, at least that's good. Yeah, kind of a <laughs> immature thing. But in regards to faith, what is something you wish you could tell your past self? Oh man, <laughs> um, I would say wait on the Lord a little more. Um, don't just jump into things. Um, I feel like I still do a bad job of just like waiting and trusting. Um, it's a fine balance between waiting and then just like acting because we're not called to just sit around and wait, but finding that balance of um, like weighing what you're trying to decide against his word and other people that you trust to really figure out, okay, is this God's will or is this just something that's convenient? Mm. Well, with that said, I think we're going to wrap it up. They can All find right. you at Catherine. Yeah, it's Catherine, so K-A-T-H-E-R-A-Y 97 on Instagram. And my Facebook is Catherine Ann. Are you open to uh, like gigs, like like doing, wor- doing like worship oh, my or goodness. piano? Or? Yeah, worship jams are my favorite thing. So I, I play at church a lot and we do like worship nights. I'm a youth leader. I lead worship at our youth group but yeah i'm always i love collaborative music making so if anyone ever needs a pianist hit me up all right well with that said this has been kate ray and Corey rosen on the story podcast and with that said i hope you guys have a wonderful night bye, bye.